the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. Last week, I had a great conversation with Jennifer Summa. She's the group facilitator at Shoreline Hurting Parents and a part of the Hope for Hurting Parents organization. And we were talking about her daughter and, uh, and addictions. And uh, we had a chance to hear part of that story. And, I, and uh, after we finished recording that, I said to Jennifer, are we done talking yet? And she said no. <laughs> and so it's time for part two Jennifer, and so uh, let's do that, okay? My husband would probably tell you she will never be done talking. <laughs> so this is going to be a 20-part series, right? <laughs> we might be able to cover it all yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> we could cover it all there. But, um, you know, let's, um, let's kind of do a recap because some people didn't hear uh, part one. And if you do want to hear part one, you can always go to uh, thewordseattle.com and click on lo- local programs. And then Heart of the City is one of the local programs. My smiling face is on the... <laughs> on the the page there and then you can click on uh, and listen to any of the podcasts that uh uh of interviews that I've done and so let's just go back uh, Jennifer so that <clears throat> we can kind of do a, a a recap of of last week uh 16 years old your daughter at 16 years old mm-hmm. uh you woke up one morning went down to wake her up for school and she's she gone gone yeah we didn't see it coming nothing could have prepared me for it when we told our friends and family what had happened, they all said, what? Her? I mean, she was so compliant and so easygoing, and um, we just didn't know that she was, in essence, living a, a double life. And uh, so it put us into this, you know, 10-year period of chaos. And I say 10 years, but there was part one and then a good season and then part two, which is what we're in now that began about three years ago. And, you know, th- what, we talk what about... Her, what was her uh, uh, device of choice? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Or is it both? It was actually a guy that was... And, and it's interesting because in my work at the mission, one of the gals said, and I'll never forget this, she said, my man is the most powerful drug I've ever taken and the hardest habit to kick. And so really it was the boyfriend was kind of the catalyst in this. And then because of that, she felt so guilty and so ashamed that she started cutting herself. And then I think the drugs were really, it was probably a like pure thing, but then it was also self-medicating, you Mm -hmm. know, which I I get. I'm not going to say I'm innocent of that. There were lots of drinks involved for me when I was going through this, to be perfectly honest with you. And if you're a parent out there struggling and that's where you're at, you know, I get you. Um, you you're hurt. You just want to make the pain stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so for her, it was a guy. It was a boyfriend. Yeah, interesting. I, I did a, an interview a while back with Grady Smith, who's a pastor 
now down at uh, Shepherd's House of Worship in uh, in Federal in Des Moines area, and he was talking about when he went through his addiction that he ultimately found out that the addiction was simply a symptom or the alcohol and drug abuse was simply a symptom of his addiction to pornography and Mm -hmm. sexual addictions. Absolutely. And that was more or less masking some of that, which ultimately came down to him grieving the death of his mother. But, you know, so there there are so many different ways that people can self-medicate and hide the pain, aren't there? And your daughter was, was absolutely doing that. Yeah. And it was... It was a very hard thing for our family. It was, um, you know, if you have a, dis- a teenager who's in that destructive behavior, you know, they tend to try to separate one parent off from the other. Um, you know, as the mom and the nurturer, it was usually me and dad so mean. And and then my husband and I, uh, probably about six months into it, I would love to say we clued in really, really fast. We didn't. It was because we were in uncharted territory and it was so difficult and it was all encompassing. Um, we finally sat down and said, you know, if this goes on any further, it could very well do irreparable damage to our marriage. Mm -hmm. So we made the decision. We are not going to argue in front of the kids. We are a unified front. If we disagree with each other, it will be behind closed doors in the bedroom, very prayerfully, you know, as far as the kids were concerned, Mom and dad were on the same page, and usually everybody could tell when I disagreed because I would be quiet, and I'm never quiet. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, you know, but it, he, you know, he, I, I understand God's perfect plan of why it takes two parents, you know, because it was, there were things where I was like, wow, that's, that seems very harsh. But in retrospect, it was absolutely the right thing to do, and I see where God does those things you know, makes those same sorts of rough calls. Yeah. And, um, well, it, it, it is so tough. Uh, I mean, I was, my wife and I was probably the opposite in the sense mm. of she wasn't the hard driving, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, just, let's just get rid of him. Yeah. But, but I was more of the one trying to draw him back right. to a relationship Yeah, and to just trying to figure out ways to, to, uh, n- not to enable, and that was always the struggle. Right. What What am I doing? Am I enabling or am I still making myself available for relationship? Right. And that's the struggle that we have. And, and it's it's an ongoing uh, mm-hmm. struggle. And uh, especially as they get longer and longer into their addictions mm. as to what is it? You know, after a while, you do realize that that. Um, you have to some somehow distance yourself from the craziness that's Absolutely. going on uh, so that that you can have this sense of um a balance and 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 right relationship and uh it is a difficult struggle that some marriages don't make it through do, mm-hmm. do they no, i mean they don't they don't make it through we know a lot of families actually because there were families that saw us go through this and so we'd have other parents reach out to us and say, you know, I'm going through a similar thing. What do you do? And we we said, you know, these were the these were the boundaries that we created for our family and it got to the point of where we allowed our daughter to make choices because the choice literally became would you like us to emancipate you so that you have the freedom to live on your own or would you like to graduate high school? We have a family friend out of the area that can that's willing to help you with that. Mm -hmm. And it's your choice. And she chose to graduate from high school. 
And so we said, okay, that's what we're going to do. And we, you know, did every, she very gifted musician. And so we spent a lot of money so that she could stay involved in her choir here because that was something that was really good for her. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, it was a tremendous, it was a tremendous burden, but at the same time, you don't think about it that way. It's like, whatever it takes, she needs my arm. I'll give her my arm. Exactly. Whatever it takes. Well, that's what we'll do. And so we, we just didn't even think about it. Um, you know, um, I could get emotional now because the reality is, you know, I've never drank alcohol, Mm -hmm. but it's like, um, when I saw my kid going through this, it's like, um, if I could take this addiction away mm-hmm. from him and put it on myself, I, I would do it. Yeah. Because you love them that much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously you can't. No. <laughs> you can't take that away. You can't take that hurt or that need for for alcohol or drugs or whatever it is as mm-hmm. a parent. And so you just begin to try to figure out as a as a family, how to cope and, get, right. and get through this. Yeah, that enters the new norm. That's the new normal. And we, you know, we still, are, like our two daughters that are still involved in our lives, you know, they'll, they argue sometimes. And, you know, just because they were best friends, they are sisters now. Sure, And sure. all of the complexities that come along with that. And, um, you know, if there's ever a problem, we'll call a family meeting still. And we'll say, look, you know, family's messy. This is a messy thing, and it's never not going to be messy because there are human beings involved. And, you know, what we are committed to is we're committed to following Christ. We're committed to the relationships with we, that we have because at the end of the day, that's all we're going to be able to take with us. Mm-hmm. Those relationships are what matters. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of the healing that we did actually came after the fact with Jordan, because when this happened again with her, it really caused me to pause and look at my life. And I started evaluating a lot of my own sin and a lot of my own patterns. And, you know, I, I can't say that I never drank alcohol and I can't say that I never drank alcohol in front of my kids when I was having a bad day, but I don't anymore. I can't say that I never suffered from unforgiveness, but I guard my heart very carefully now and have had to you know, eat a lot of crow, um, mending some relationships, some relationships, God said, that's a ruin that does not need to be rebuilt. But there were others where I definitely was in sin, definitely had to go back and, and take my responsibility for that. Well, for me, it wasn't alcohol, but it it definitely was spiritual pride, you know? So, you know, all of us have our vices. Yeah. All of us have our sins. And so, um, it's, um, you know, the Lord definitely does have to deal with us on so many levels. Mm-hmm. You and I were talking about the idea of isolation, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm glad that we're doing this program because uh, people are either driving around in their car or they're sitting at home or they're listening online, and um, th- I know that there are people that are going through very similar situations that you and I are talking Absolutely. about, and oftentimes there is a real isolation because of embarrassment, because of fear, because of so many things. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you, how did you deal with that isolation and what are you doing now about it? Oh gosh, that is such a great topic. And um, uh, so that period of time that I was 
talking about last week where I said, you know, I was so depressed and debilitated when I realized that this was kind of the new norm um, when we entered into the second season of this um, issue with our daughter. Uh, I just, I was so depressed. I like, I didn't shower, you know, I just, it was barely all I could do to get out of bed. And, um, I was listening to a radio program where Tom and Dina Yoey were on there and I could totally relate to her. And actually my daughter loved Tom and Dina Yoey's daughter, who was the girl behind to write love on her arms, which was a huge movement back in like 2007, 2008 and it was it really brought cutting and mental health issues and destructive behavior to the forefront in the Christian community. And um, so I reached out to Tom and or to Dina, and I was like, "Hey, uh, this is Jennifer. I'm not crazy, but I am really struggling." And I I looked everywhere for resources for parents because I felt so alone at our church home that we were at before. You know, when this happened the first time, everybody was like, how could you send Jordan away? How could you do that to her? And what they didn't realize was I was literally killing myself doing this. Mm -hmm. I was missing my daughter's senior year of high school. I was missing prom. Um, I was watching everything from afar. Uh, She was assassinating our character. And the whole time, we're just like sucking it up. You know, we're sucking it up and we're making it through. Excuse me. And um, so very isolating. And we ended up actually leaving that church. I became very, very bitter. I became very, very angry. I felt very judged. I became judgmental. Um, there, there, it was just a mess. It was a really messy situation. So yes, you end up alone. And, um, and for a season, it was okay, you know, is I was seeking God, but then there's no healing in being alone. It becomes a vacuum. Hurt becomes a vacuum. And I started seeking out, um, you know, I, I was spending time in the Bible for those three years. But then when we entered into the second season, because everything was hunky-dory with our family for like five years. So right. woohoo! Yeah. But then when it happened again, it was like, oh my gosh, here we go again. What do I do? I'm lost. I'm hopeless. And uh, so I reached out to Dina. She was so gracious. She said, can I call you tomorrow? I said, I would love that. So we started talking. And then through that, I made another connection with a mom in LA. I made another connection with a mom in Spokane. Um, and I, I bought the materials to kind of go through um, a different healing uh, a different it wasn't hope for hurting parents it was help for hurting moms and um, I went through that whole workbook in about a day and a half because I'm a doer right right. (laughs) I had a task um, and and it actually really did help though and then through that it was like I, I realized there wasn't a lot of resources out there for church and then I met through work another family who the mom, you know, I met the daughter and immediately, man, if you've got a kid that's been through this, you just recognize it. You can see it. So I met this daughter and her mom, um, through the course of business and, um, and it just came out one day. I was like, you know, so how are things going with you? And, and she just said, my daughter started using meth eight years ago. She was a cheerleader in high school. She was popular. She was beautiful bad boyfriend, bad group of friends. And with about six months, it was all gone. She was stealing from the family. She had wrecked the car. And I I asked her, I said, do you have any support at church? And she said, no. She said, and when I've shared this, I really have felt nothing but either pity 
or judged. And, and it's interesting because that's the same commonality that keeps coming out is this mommy shaming of, oh, if you had only loved her more, done yeah. this better, yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah, right. Um, or, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry that your child's like this. It's like, you know, it could happen to anybody's child is the thing, you know. Exactly. And you get these tips from these parents of, oh, well, this is what we did. And, you know, our daughter was in sports and she didn't have time for that. I'm like, you don't understand. Our kids were in everything. Right. They were in sports. They were in choir. They didn't, you know. Yeah. So there's no formula yeah. for it. That's yeah. the thing. And you said, you know, we want that half hour fix. God's not formulaic. And I didn't really want to share my story um, until... We had a conclusion, and then I came to this realization, I guess, maybe six months or a year ago, where God said, you know, you may not see it this side of heaven. Are you okay with that? And it brought me back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, you know, facing that furnace, and they said, the God that we serve is able, but even if he doesn't. And that's really where my heart came was, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. It was this complete surrender. It was a, I'm not going to hold anything back from you. I'm not going to be mad at you for this. Um, I I put you on the cross. You're not calling me to go there mm-hmm. for mankind. If this is my cross, I don't like it, but I accept it, Lord. And I trust that you're at work in this. And I trust that your heart is good for me all the time. Because I remember thinking one day, God, I know you're good, but it doesn't seem like you're good to me right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like you're good in this situation right now. And then and then I started thinking through all of the family relationships of the Old Testament and you know how God really did entrust the right parents with the right kids and how the kids shaped the parents and how God used all of it. And it was like, you know, as long as we stay focused on him, anchored in him, trusting in him, however it plays out, it's going to be okay. It's either going to have an amazing, glorious story here, or it's going to have an amazing, glorious story in heaven. Mm-hmm. But one way or the other, he's getting the glory for it. Yeah. And then came the, you know, if I don't, if I wait for that, the closure to get involved and to help, and to reach out to other parents, I may never reach out to other exactly. parents because I may never get the answers that I want. Well, you want to, you know, it's our tendency. We want to establish credibility, and credibility means that our kid's better now. Therefore, people will listen to me. Right. And that's not it, is it's it? It's not It's at all. not it. We're bearing each other's burdens. Uh, we're sharing. And, you know, it seems like when we deal with addictions, uh, it's given us a much deeper level of honesty with mm-hmm. ourselves and with others, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, you and I can sit here on the radio and talk to a lot of people and just say, you know, I've discovered that I am a broken person that mm-hmm. needs a Savior, That's and right. uh, my kid needs that too. Yeah. And um, let's talk just for a couple of minutes because... Uh, my daughter and I have had this conversation because there was an instance a while back where I said to her, I don't think I can forgive my son. This this time, I don't think I can forgive. Mm-hmm. And she was pretty blown away by that because she's always known me as someone who's pretty forgiving. Mm-hmm. And I had a chance to, uh, you know, think that through for a few days and, and, uh, 
and I didn't realize how it affected her when I said that to her. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of sharing how I was feeling. Yeah. And um, I, I went back and said to her, well, here's the issue. It's not forgiveness that I'm dealing with. It's restoration. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, in my walk with my son, it's always been trying to figure out ways of restoration with him, of re- restoring a relationship. Um, and and I've recognized that, uh, and my daughter pointed this out in a blog that she wrote, that restoration um, requires two people. Forgiveness mm-hmm. is my, is, I own forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It's whether I just choose to forgive or not. Restoration of a relationship requires both of you to work mm-hmm. on it. And, and so, you know, sometimes parents are, are trying to work through that with their uh, loved one or, or another relative or a friendship, and that person's not ready to restore. <laughs> and you're trying to do that, and they're not willing. Right. Now, in your own heart and your own mind, you can walk in forgiveness mm-hmm. towards them and, and in a right relationship attitudinally towards them. But as far as the, the relationship itself, it's not going to be restored until you're both in that position, in a restoration point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting that you use the word restoration because for a long time I was praying for restoration and then God shifted my focus and I began praying for a resurrected relationship, which was an all new relationship because I really didn't want it to go back to the way it was. Well, you're right. And I've, that's a good way because I've been thinking that same thing. I don't really want the Lord to restore because it was screwed up from the beginning. It was not healthy. Even when he was a little kid. Absolutely. There was some really crazy things going on when even when he was little so i don't really want it restored to what it was yeah i want it restored to what it should be in christ absolutely and that's a resurrection and here's the so here's the hard part okay and and this is going back to the prodigal son story so um about six months ago or a year ago uh god really put me back in the prodigal son story in depth and there were a lot of things first of all he didn't pursue Uh, And our daughter literally said, I don't want anything to do with you. The hardest thing for me as a mom is not pursue. Are you I know right where she lives. (laughs) So uh, that's hard for me. And and then God's I said, God, I could never be that father in the prodigal son story. I just same thing. I don't know that I could ever trust her again or forgive her again or all of these different things. And it was really rooted in my I don't want to be hurt again. Mm -hmm. We have been through so much. And again, we were not perfect parents. I want to be very clear about that. I'm sure that her perspective is valid in some ways, but our heart for her was always for her good. And we always wanted to see what was best for her. God put on my heart, he said, you can never be that father. That's the problem. You have to stop trying to be the father in that story. That's my job. Mm. Your job is to not be the older brother in that story and not be the one that goes, well, I'm not going to forgive you. Want, you want to give her the fat and cow? What? And so to have a heart of love and to really, my, my mother-in-law, who is the one who led me to Christ, little shout out to you, mom, I love you. Um, she said that when we line ourselves up with God in prayer, it lines our heart up with his heart. And that's really what this is about when we've got prodigal kids. It's aligning our heart with God's heart for those kids. Yeah. Well, you and I could talk for a long time, <laughs> I know. But I think that there are people that are hearing this uh, broadcast today this and this podcast 
that uh, need to talk to you. Mm. <laughs> they need to they need to talk with someone yeah. because they're dealing with some real um, some real tough issues that mm-hmm. they haven't been able to share with anyone. Yeah. And so, um, how can they reach out to you? So we meet um, Shoreline Covenant Church in Shoreline has been gracious enough to give us a room. We meet on Tuesdays at six thirty. You know, we we start on Tuesday, but gosh, come anytime. Like, we'll make room for you. Um, You can also reach me at shorelinehurtingparents at outlook.com. And if you can't remember that, you can go to the hopeforhurtingparents.com website, and they've got a list of um, groups, and our group is on there, too. Well, Jennifer, I want to thank you for joining me today. And uh, your story is... um is one of God's grace, faithfulness, you know. He's been faithful in your life. He's been faithful in my life. And uh, he will continue to be faithful in the lives of our kids as they walk through their struggles. That's right. And he's a good God, isn't he? He is, and he's a good father, and he's got them. Amen. Amen. been listening to this 820 AM, the word special heart of the city. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word call Chuck Olmstead 206-269-6216 or go to thewordseattle.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon intelligence agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.